Hello, and welcome to the Development Debrief with Katherine Van Sickle, the stories-based podcast that interviews donors, thought leaders, and professionals in the field of fundraising. Last week, I went with several of my colleagues to the NYSACE Advancement Conference at Mohonk Mountain House. If you followed me on Instagram, you saw lots of smiling faces, wood-burning fireplaces, and wonderful views. NYSACE stands for the New York State Association of Independent Schools. At the conference, I had the opportunity to speak about building your personal brand for career success with today's guest, Jan Abernathy. Before we did our talk, we recorded it so that we could share it with all of you. Jan Abernathy is the Chief Communications Officer at the Browning School, a K-12 boys school in New York City. Formerly the Director of Marketing and Communications at the Elizabeth Morrow School in Englewood, New Jersey. At Browning, she's a member of the health and safety team responsible for managing COVID response and co-chaired the school's successful search for its new Director of Equitable Practice and Social Impact. She's the president of New York City Independent Schools Communications Professionals, a professional association of 100 members from schools throughout the tri-state area, and the co-founder of Black Advancement Networking Group, which works to gain further representation and greater professional growth of Black professionals in advancement roles in independent schools. Jan is chair of Case NACE 2022, the prominent international advancement conference in the independent school sector. A journalist by training, she's written for the NACE Independent School Magazine on Crisis Communications and the Blackout Movement. She's a trustee of Grace Church School, a K-12 school in New York City, and was on the board of the Stevens Cooperative School in Hoboken, New Jersey for 13 years, spending six years as chair. Her consulting firm, Jan Abernathy Strategic Communications, provides communications and DEI counsel for educational institutions and nonprofits. Now let's get started. Hi, Jan. How are you? I'm fine. How are you doing, Catherine? I'm good. And, you know, what people won't know when they're listening is that we are in the same place. We're at Mohonk Mountain House and we're in our individual rooms on Zoom recording this conversation, which is kind of funny. Indeed. Feels feels very 2020, right? <laughs> yes, it does. So we are doing a presentation at this conference. And I just thought, you know, we've done the work where we obviously thought this was an important topic. Let's get it recorded so that people who aren't here can also hear what we're talking about and get a sense of what we're doing. So our presentation is called Building Your Personal Brand for Career Success. And our, you know, subject line or our header, whatever you want to call it, is shouldn't the work speak for itself? And Jim, this was your idea. So how did this idea come about and and why did you want to do this session? Yeah. So uh, the whole idea of, of building a personal brand has just always sort of appealed to me as a communications professional. I've been in the communication space my whole life, starting out in, in on the journalism side, right? And then transitioning to sort of marketing on a corporate level. And then finally coming into schools after um, my kids had, were born and were in independent schools. And I was on a board of trustees and for several years before I joined uh, my first school community. And, and one of the things that I got very very much into was sort of speaking at conferences and also 
um, sort of promoting different things on LinkedIn. And I found it to be just such a, I, first of all, I drew that inspiration from others. So certainly as I was watching different people on LinkedIn or listening to different speakers at conferences that I was going to, I was like, wow, you know, there's something very powerful about when you have a speaker or you have somebody on uh, LinkedIn, let's say, and you know what you're going to get, right? The person has got a certain brand and you can, you can be assured that if something is going on in the news or if there's an interest idea, let's say about DEIB or comms or something, that person's going to bring it to you in one of those vehicles. And I found that to be very powerful. I found it to be something that I would like to emulate. I think really as, you know, at the time that I got into schools 10 years ago, I was certainly a mid-career professional, right? I'd had a full, complete career working at Dow Jones, publisher of the Wall Street Journal. Um, you know, I'd had my kids, so I was not starting out in this field as, you know, 23-year-old coming from, a you know, an LAC. I was starting right. out, you know, somebody in, in their 40s coming in to this work. And it was kind of, you know, schools are very close. They're very, um, it's, they're very close communities, which is what makes them wonderful. Um, but at the same time, how do you, let's say, how do you want to, how do you gain traction if you know, you know, I'm not going to be working for the next 50 years, right? I, I want to make an impact. I think that the schools that employ me want me to make an impact as somebody that's in communications. And, and sort of, I think one of the ways that you do that um, quickly is by actually really thinking about how you want to present yourself in the professional world. Yeah. And interestingly enough, I think this is extremely intimidating for our colleagues in advancement and and maybe not as much comms. I don't know if you have an opinion on that, but I know for funders, I think it's, it's, I think it's you're across the board. I think across the board, people spend a lot, uh, they have a lot of concern about how, mm -hmm. how to do it and that it's, that it's a complex thing to do when, when I don't feel that it is that. Yes. And so when we were talking, I had sort of said, well, what I've heard people say is, shouldn't your work just speak for itself? And that's why we decided to kind of cling on to that question, that sort of contrarian view. And I think we both agree that, yes, the work should speak for itself, but sometimes that's not enough. Exactly right. And, you know, you you are also more than your work, right? There may be elements yeah. of what I do in communications for the Browning School, where I'm chief communications officer, that don't, that some of the things that I do in communications outside really don't have a place in that world. As an example, if I want to talk about board relations, let's say I'm on the board of trustees of another independent school. I have been on the board of trustees of other independent schools in the past. There's not really a space for me at Browning to talk about our board. I don't have anything to do with that. I'm an administrator. It's not necessarily appropriate for me to speak on that. I still have things to say that I believe that would be valuable for people to hear or read, et cetera. And so that creates another professional space slash bucket to do that. Yeah. Why not do all of the things that you can can do professionally and be generous about it. You know, Seth Godin, who I really follow and I love his blog. I don't know if you, I, oh, I know not yep. so, so that I know that you do, you know, and that's, this is one of Seth's tenets, right? Is like be, is generosity, right? Be generous. And, and, and I just want to pause you there because I think people think that it's look at me, look at mm -hmm. what I'm doing, but it's actually, I believe the opposite. And I know you do too. You're it's additive. It's um, expanding on all of our talents and skills and beliefs. 
So sorry to interrupt. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's like I'm in, and I'm inviting you to be in a conversation with me, to follow me, to see the things that, that I'm talking about. If I'm posting an article, like I hope you take it and you share it with your head of school and take it as your own and say, hey, I saw this great thing. I think you all should know about it. I do that all the time with other people. You know, sometimes people start blogging. They start a sub stack of communicators, either specifically in our field or also in another field. I'm going to share that out with my folks. Like, why wouldn't we always want to have more information, have just different ways to think about things? That's why I love this podcast. I am not um, on the fundraising side at all. But the idea that I can just listen to some of the folks that you've talked to, you know, like Harold Brown out of Cranbook or whatever, and get some different ways to think about how to engage with alums or how to engage with people that are going to become major donors to your school. That's very much also within my wheelhouse in communications. And I just I love hearing different ideas so different things can percolate for me, honestly. So the people who are listening, they know my brand. They know I've built the development debrief and that has percolated beyond just the podcast, but my brand as a professional in the industry. But tell us about the brand that you've built, Jan Abernathy Strategic Communications. In in addition to the work that I do at the Browning School and work that I've done at the Elizabeth Morris School in Inglewood, New Jersey, I've always maintained my own separate consultancy where I typically say I will take on sort of roughly one client a year. And I do things, everything from sort of standard communications audits to DEIB communications audits to I can help them, you know, find their next comms director, et cetera, et cetera. I think two people essentially know me from one of two contexts. They've either seen me present at conferences, which is something that I probably do about once a month during the frequently, school year. Very frequently. Yes. So I, I am presenting here um, at Mohunt, not only with you, but I'm also presenting about uh, having conversations on difficult, difficult topics with parents. I presented at the National Association of Independent Schools just a week and a half ago with our DEIB professional. Uh, and we did two uh, presentations there, one about diversity on your board, and then one about responding to DEIB pushback in communications. So people know me from, from that that kind of thing. And and through that, that's the sort of thing that, you know, it builds upon itself, right? So you start out speaking at a conference and then next thing you know, someone asks you to do a proposal for another conference and so on and so on and so on. And interestingly enough, the very first conference that I spoke at was Case NAIS. And I did that the first year that I was at Browning. I had spoken in New Jersey before too, but always sort of as a, I was always speaking with somebody else who had brought me along like our admissions person or whatever. But the first time that I was sort of asked on my own as a communications pro to speak was based on my being a, a big contributor to the comms listserv for NAIS. So the person who was, yeah, the person who was doing it was a panel um, and it was about sort of like running your communications shop. And the person who reached out to me had, uh, we had never met before. We had never, this was all before the age of Zoom. I had never seen her, did not know um, what she looked like or anything. And I said, well, how did you find me? Why did you call me to try to get me to be on this panel that you're putting together? And she's like, well, I just feel that what you've contributed to the listserv has been really valuable. And that's when I think it started hitting me that, oh, okay, because, you know, you just put your words out there into the ether. You you don't know what, you know, LinkedIn is very much, it's much more of a feedback, right? But, but you know, on a listserv, you might put something out there. People say, hey, nice or whatever. They don't comment on it. They've gotten what they need and they move on. And I said, wow, you know, I, I hadn't really thought of it that way. That, mm-hmm. oh, okay, you know, I'm answering somebody's questions, but 
they're, they're finding it really valuable. They're finding it valuable enough to want to know more. And I think that from that, that's when I really started saying, okay, so I'm going to start building this LinkedIn sort of presence and did that. And at the same time, like, because I, my, I got my start as a writer, I got my start in, in journalism. I started working with independent school magazine. And now I try to publish a piece in there about once a year, uh, me and my DEIB uh, colleague will actually be having a piece in there in the summer issue talking about diversify again, you know, diversifying your boards. So we're sort of doing a takeoff on what we presented at the conference in Las Vegas a week and a half ago. And all of this again is like I just look at this as bringing information, bringing resources, bringing help into mm -hmm. the industry. It's not. It yeah. could be me. It could be somebody else. It's just a vessel. And it's like if I know things because I've like existed on the planet longer than you, or because I've had a, a different context. You know, I've been a trustee. I was a trustee for thirteen years before I ever came to my first school. You know, I'm now I've been a trustee for three or four additional years just since I've been in school. So that's a context that a lot of you know younger in the business comms people might not have, and it might be interesting for them to sort of know how. Absolutely. And Jan, is the speaking something that you negotiated with Browning? Was that something that you needed to ask permission for? How did that happen with your boss? Well, I'm I'm blessed to have a wonderful boss in in John Body, and I think somebody who really understands that being an expert and and sort of having that presence that's outside of the school, particularly for a small school. You work at a bit of a larger school, although your school is also a, a single gender school. Our school is very small; it's 400 boys. It's K-12. It does not have. It is just simply not going to be as known as larger schools. You have fewer people, fewer alums, and all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. If he can, if if our school looks as though it has a team of people that really know their stuff, and I think that this is this is across the board. This is in everything, whether this is in the business office, whether this is in teaching history, whether or not this is in you know managing teachers. It only sort of looks better, right? At the very least, it gets people who might be interested in teaching for your school or coming to be administrators at your school looking at your school and going like, I want to work with I want to work with a head that can nurture a team like that. I want to work with colleagues. That are like so that. So he sees it as a recruitment tool. Absolutely. I mean, That's I think he brilliant. sees it as a brand burnishing tool. Yeah. I think he yep. absolutely and sees it as a brand burnishing tool. And that's so interesting because when I came to Chapin, I was very upfront and transparent in saying, this is an important part of who I am as a professional. I have this, this podcast and this business. And it has worked so well for both of us. So have the conversation with your employer. Let them know right, absolutely. And maybe they'll see it as a value add. Absolutely. And and look, I think that many of our DEIB colleagues particularly will have either will have consultancies or they will be partnered. They will be a person working for whether it's a Pollyanna or some other DEIB mm -hmm. consultancy. That almost seems to be almost standard, getting very close to being standard within that one part of our industry. So, I mean, honestly, why not communications as well? You know, if people right. want to do that, if they've got the time to do that, it's never been a conflict. It's never been, you know, an, an issue for them. And it's never conflicted with my work. Like I would, I would be here regardless. I happen to be yeah. here and speaking, right? So generally now, 
when I go to a conference, I am going there because I'm speaking because also too, as you get further on in your career, that conference is going to mean sort of less and less to you in terms of professional yeah. development. It just will. Yeah. Where you can always learn and grow though, is presenting to a, presenting to a conference, presenting new ideas, developing new ideas. Think about the, think about the ideas. So, okay, I'm going to talk about difficult topics. Well, what am I going to say? Well, how am I going to, and I'm going to talk about branding a little bit, right? But how did I it's sort of like um, being able to show the sort of the inner workings, which is not the easiest thing for me. Like I know how yeah. I think about comms. I know what I would do in most situations. It is not easy for me to explain that and having to work at having to explain that, I think actually enhances my practice. And that's where it becomes what we like to call the virtuous cycle. Because exactly. it actually gets you better at your job. Exactly. I think there's no question that I'm better at my job from every time I go and, you know, meet people at a conference, speak at a conference, meet different heads of school, talk to go to mm -hmm. different parts of the country and mm -hmm. see how they're deploying their comms assets, right? Because in every department's different, you know, advancement teams, you can kind of know basically the jobs you're going to get within an advancement team comms is still a little the wild west maybe someone's got a digital strategist maybe somebody's got a ghostwriter maybe somebody's got someone who's just taking pictures all the time talking to people about the pros and, and cons of that is i think very important and i think it also can't be divorced from the fact that as a person of color as a black woman in this industry i think that it's important to show that that we are here i think showing that we are here helps our individual schools because then people say that's a school where a person who is like me in some facet of their identity perhaps can can thrive right and i don't think that any of our schools would say we are not looking for more people of color and from diverse and marginalized identities to be a part of our institution everybody is saying that so i think that that's having people like that step up become a little bit more public personas is really important so would you say that's part of your why, but why in quotes, is that part of it? Yes. Oh, absolutely. It's part of my why, because I do think that, that having more people of color, more people of actually any marginalized identity around the table. Oh, we know this from data. This, it always makes work stronger always makes the work stronger, period. The The problem is, is that sometimes schools will think, well, I've got one, I've got one of each one of thing, you know, of the thing, and they don't realize that the power actually comes from having more, right? Not fewer. So if you're going to, if you want to have more, well, most of us can get one of everything, whatever identities you want to get. But if you want to get more, and if you want to really cultivate people, and if you want to have people not leave because of lack of opportunity, they have to be able to see, I think they have to be able to see somebody else doing it, frankly. You know, it's just like, you know, when I started in, in, in business after coming out of college in the 1980s, you know, see a woman in the C-suite at a place like Dow Jones was a really big deal. Like that was not a thing. Like that was not a thing. And there was one and everybody was like, oh my gosh. And how did she get to where she is? So there, there's no question. We say it for the kids. Representation is important. I don't know why we wouldn't think it's equally as important for, it's not equally as important for adults because right. it absolutely is. So when we speak with our audience, we're going to be starting with asking people, what is your why? And you just shared yours with us. And I think it's an incredible why and super powerful. My why is that I want to provide access to education for people to better their 
their career path. And I want to amplify voices in the field. So that's my why. I think once people figure out what it is for them, it makes it a lot easier to start thinking about what their presence looks like. So let's move into talking about footprint. Like what is a presence? What is the brand? You know, it's not Nike. It's a little bit more elusive than that. So Mm -hmm. how would you define it? Yeah. So I think that the brand, I mean, I think the first thing that you you sort of start out with when you're trying to develop your own personal brand is, again, I, I, I start from a place of generosity. I also start from a place of kind of like, what do I know? What am I interested in? What am I reading? What would I tell? It's a little bit like how we talk about um, admissions or communication when we're working on enrollment, right? Like, what is somebody going to say if they're promoting the school to a friend, right? What am I going to say? What makes Browning so great? Whatever. What makes what's really interesting right in comms right now what's really interesting in deib right now you know that i want to learn more about or i want to tell you about or i want to engage in a conversation over a social platform about right i i get excited i i say that i'm an enthusiast and it's true it's like i can get excited about a lot of different things and then i just want to share those things so i think that people you know what it is, Catherine. It's like people think that they've got to have this deep thought to eat to do to either do a presentation, right, or or to just even post something on LinkedIn. So I was at Case and AIS, and I'm listening to you know a panel discussion, heads of school, and they're talking about comms, and I'm just sort of like putting posts on LinkedIn, almost like it's kind of a live tweeting vibe because I'm like. <laughs> Yes, yeah. this is it exactly. You are saying that this is one of the most important roles in school. Oh my goodness. I want to let my colleagues across the country know that they're heads of school that are talking about this. Mm-hmm. This is, we're doing it guys, because we know this is where we should be, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't find that difficult. I think a lot of other people don't find that difficult, but it's like a matter of starting. Like people are like, oh my gosh, you must just have these words at your fingertips. Well, you know, comms people do though. Like it's like, you you know, the, it's the a bit of a muscle, that. right? It's a muscle yes. that you practice. Absolutely. But how many people practice that muscle right now on like Instagram, like posting a photo and a caption, right? I mean, personal life. Yeah. You know, right. in the personal right. life, I'm of the gener- I, I'm of the Facebook generation. So like we would have done that on Facebook. It's not, I think it's almost kind of like people can freeze about LinkedIn yeah. because they're just sort of like, it's professional, uh, you know, people will see it. And like, I don't know. And like, what if I say something wrong or, or, you know, I don't use proper English, whatever it is, they don't, so they don't relax. Right. It. Right. So I think, and I think the other thing too, is it's like, oh, I have to have it perfect if I'm going to put it out yes. there. And that's that's not true. Yes, exactly. So I absolutely think it's the curse of perfectionism absolutely Mm -hmm. happens. And I think it's also very, it's, it's undeniable that a lot of people, and I think particularly a lot of women, can feel as though something like that becomes very boastful, becomes very, yes. you know, oh, she's trying, you know, oh, look, she's trying to make herself look so great, or she's trying to, you know, almost as sort of a, who cares what I think, or, you know, who, who wants to hear from me? People want to hear from you. Use your voice, use your words, right? People, I always yeah. believe that, that people really want to hear from you if you've got something to say. And I think that my comms colleagues absolutely have something to say. And mm-hmm. so to, to, again, to share it is an act of generosity. Um, the other thing I think is particularly, and I really try to hammer this out home with my younger colleagues, you know, you're going to be hopefully in the business for a long time. And we hope that people stay in schools for a long time because schools need people that are really good in all of these roles. 
that brand goes with you, right? You have not, the school has not made you and then you're leaving your school. I'm leaving my school. Yeah, it's I, not these starts and stops. It's, right. it's an arc that you're building. Exactly, exactly. And you are detached from your school. You are a professional at your school, but you are not just all of your, um, all of your professional is all of your professional brand, if you will, does not simply come from the schools mm -hmm. to which you're attached. Because mm -hmm. let's face it, if you're in Gen Z, you're going to work for a whole lot of schools. And and frankly, with Gen Z, we're not going to have to tell them to build their personal brands. They're they're going to yeah. do it. Right. right. <laughs> they, right. This exactly. Is, so this is really millennial advice. This is millennial zennial advice. Exactly. Z's got it. Yeah. So just to, to get a little more granular, when, when I think about my social footprint, I'm thinking about what we started with. What's your personal values statement? And I literally created that for myself. It sounds like you did too. And so anyone listening can do that. What Absolutely. are they passionate about? What are they committed to? Why are they doing it? Right. That's the right. next thing is your headshot and your header image on LinkedIn. Yes. I think those are hugely important to have an up-to-date, crisp headshot. And then to have your header image be something, first of all, not just the stock, but reflect. So like for me, I've chosen for my header image to be the Chapin School because I want to communicate with people that that's my first priority, my day job. Mm -hmm. What are your views on that? So I, so I take a different tack. Um, okay. My headshot is crisp and up to date and I generally change it once a year. So I, I completely agree with you. Like if you're, if you don't have a headshot or if you just maybe have your school picture that some years it's good, some years it's not so good, please update your LinkedIn. If you're listening to this, go right now, update your LinkedIn. <laughs> but, but what I actually have as a header shot is I have amplified black voices. Mm. So it's just a very, and I've had it there. Oh, you know, probably not probably almost at the point where the black at movement started. I found it. It was, it was one of the ones that LinkedIn offers and mm -hmm. I have just never changed it. And actually when I look at it, it makes me happy. Um, wow. And I try to do that. Right. Um, yeah. I think it is important. And I think really you could say amplify marginalized voices. Like I think it would be just as powerful if that could be because so often, right. It's just like, who's getting the credit. We're even finding out about chat G GPT, right. That like, people are like, you should know that this is this, a woman that really did this technology, but the person who's getting the credit is the guy who, you know, owns a company, so to speak. So it's like a lot of times it's, it's, that's very important to me is that people that maybe have not had a chance to have the mic, get a chance to grab the mic. So that's, that's very much my position and 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 where I'm coming from. But I talk about Browning all the time. I think that my uh, head of school would say there's probably not a podcast that I've been on or a, a panel that I have been on where I have not referenced what a great working relationship I have with him, with the mm -hmm. entire team, and how much I really enjoy working at the Browning School. And I think you could do. I think you could do all that you can do in different ways, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that my colleagues don't even really think about that much. Like if I'm away or if I'm at a conference, because I'm still working, like I'm working, going to be answering emails and all the rest of it. And I do think they think it's additive when I sit in a, a leadership meeting or something and I can say, Hey, you know, when I was in Las Vegas, I went to a perfect example. I went on a school visit, you know, they offer those. And I went to a school where they, you know, have this, um, you know, has a situation where they bring K through 12 together a lot more frequently and how they do it. And I was able to really explain it because we were talking about a 
K-12, K through 12 event. Um, and just seeing the way that somebody else did it and talking to my colleagues about it, you know, spurs, spurs some ideas and thoughts. That's, that's, that's what I'm in the business. I'm in the idea business. That's the business I'm in. Yeah. And the other thing you've talked about this a little bit, but how you participate on LinkedIn, to me, I think that's the biggest social footprint. So there's a difference between liking something and saying congrats versus reacting to something and saying this particular thing resonated and here's why. Exactly. Exactly. Give more, you know, the likes, the, the re, you know, what you see a lot of, I mean, essentially like a retweet or a share, you know, it's like a lot of a share this, share that it's not, it's not memorable, right? I'm not going to remember that Catherine shared this or shared that or said, congrats on your work anniversary or whatever it is. I am, what is memorable is exactly what you said when you comment on it. And also, as you know, with LinkedIn, you can go ahead and turn that into a post. Like anytime you do something like that, LinkedIn will ask you, the default is it will ask you, would you like to continue the conversation by making this your own post? Do it. Like that's a good example of something where if you're shy or you're not sure how you're going to do things on LinkedIn, when you give it a little bit more in the comment section and it tells you to think about turning it into a post, do that thing. Yeah. So I think when we consider our voice and our place in, in the space, whatever it is that we choose, whether it is our passion area or our work, or there's some overlap between, we need to be ready to talk about our personal story. And I've broken this into five sections for to help people get started and brainstorm on how they think about who they are. So mm -hmm. I think, of course, the first piece is your childhood and how that's informed your adulthood. The second is education. Where where did you go to school? Are you involved there? Is it important to you or not? Then in the middle, we have your passion. That's sort of at the center of everything. So again, is that passion aligned with your day job? Is it not? And how does that sort of fit? Next, career. What is what is it that you do? And And I'm not just talking about I'm the director of comms. I'm in the idea business. You know, that's taking it one step further. And then right. lastly, the future. Where do you want to go? And what excites you about your next chapter? So those are the five things I think about when people just don't know where to get started. Yeah, I love that you've broken that out in such a strategic manner and so structural. And so it is It is very much, a, that's a great ladder or checklist or whatever you'd like to call it for being able to, to build something like that. And I do think that that is, yeah, that is helpful to be, because, because the other thing that I guess, you know, is also true, Catherine, is that not everybody loves talking about themselves, right? But mm -hmm. I do think it's so, it's very important. Like if you think about, your leaders, if you think about your head of school, or if you go to a conference and you see keynoters, like you will see, or you look at TED Talks, it's the same thing. Like those are skills that if you want to, to advance to a leadership level in something, you will have to develop, right? Like that right. ability to be a storyteller, that ability to, to share, share some of yourself, right? And even, and particularly, I think in schools, share some vulnerability, Right. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be every last detail. Right. Exactly. What's shaped you? Yeah, right. I think that's huge for us in our schools. We are big followers of Brene Brown, right? It's oh, like we love her vulnerability piece yep. out there a little bit, right? Talking about you know 
what you hope to achieve, what you see, and talking about where you are now. And I honestly think something that is very compelling about people is, is when they love what they do. Like I can tell that you love what you do in terms of the podcast. And I'm certain that carries through for the Chapin School, right? I have no, because I just have no doubt based on the kind of person, the thing that I see in your brand persona, I'm sure that carries over when you're representing Chapin, right? Same thing with me. It's like, you yeah. see what I do on LinkedIn and how excited I am to present at these conferences. That's how excited I'm going to be talking to you about like, here's what the magazine's going to look like, or here's this great idea that I have for how we can do whatever we need to do in, in marketing, right? So it, because yeah. those, those threads carry through, you know? Well, this has certainly gotten me excited to do this in front of an audience very Yay. soon with you. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you want to make sure people know as they think about beginning to build their brands and stepping outside of their comfort zones with their social footprint? Yeah. So I think, so, so the thing, the, the one thing that I would stress, and again, I think this may be more of a, um, a, a younger person thing too. It's like, you know, so you, you do, you have a social footprint, right. And then you also should obviously be carefully thinking about all of your footprint everywhere. Right. And any place where people can find you. So now Very I'm good really just talking about your personal, you know, you've got personal views on the mayor's race in your town or what the police <laughs> do or don't do. It's like, lock it down. Like, it's like, it's just like what we used to tell the kid, what we continue to tell the kids, but now it just doesn't matter anymore. But it's like, people will find you, you know, that is something that I really would want to stress to anybody. It's just like, kind of like, if you don't say it at work, then make sure all of the people you work with and all of the people you work for can't find that thing, you know? So there's a That's lot huge. to yeah. bringing your whole self to work. And while I do believe in that. Absolutely. So I just say, so I say that to say, I hope that everybody who is listening knows what, you know, has Googled themselves, knows what's out there, has locked down those old accounts. Maybe that Tumblr, you don't want that to be, you know, so findable, <laughs> shareable, whatever. And yeah. then it's, but then think about, you don't have to squelch your voice on areas that are important to you. And then also, you know, align with many of those areas are fine that they align with you. And even that people could connect you back to Chapin or me to Browning and think about that. So I'm going to comment on a relatively narrow band of topics. Like I've got a lot more opinions about a lot of other things. No surprise there. Right. But I'm going to talk about comms. I'm going to talk about DEIB. You know, I posted one of my highest engagement posts as of late that was sort of about news was, you know, what Don Lemon said about, um, about, uh, I've, Nikki Haley, you know, and about the whole, like she's past her prime kind of thing, because that plays very much into a space that I can see myself, right? The brand is about like communications, it's DEIB, you know, it's, it's women in business. Like if there's a lot of things there and naturally, you know, the people that follow me responded to that. So I think it's a matter of, you know, you don't, you start, so you being start focused, focused, exactly. Topics. Exactly. Very focused. And if you're not sure if you should comment on it, I would say put it to the side, look at it in a few hours and don't, and don't comment in heat. I think on yeah, LinkedIn. That's, a, that's a good tip. <laughs> I would love to close with my signature question. What do you know for sure? I know for sure that our schools do good work and that they deserve to have people in them that amplify that good work for all of our students and that these are wonderful places to work. And if you're someone that can do that and amplify that good work, you should be working in our schools.
Thank you so much. This was great. Thank you. Hey, listeners, it's Keith from Evertrue. Evertrue is the end-to-end solution for insight, outreach, and analytics for higher ed advancement and stewardship teams around the world. Recently, we launched Evertrue Studios, Advancement's very first media hub, where subscribers have access to over 100 hours of free, on-demand original series and podcasts, all created with fundraisers in mind. We're thrilled to feature the development debrief on Evertrue Studios Podcast Network. Check us out at evertrue.com backslash studios.